Good afternoon and welcome to Find Your Sparkle with Jen, where you'll be inspired, informed, and entertained. I'm your host, Jennifer Stewart, owner of Jazz Potential and creator of Find Your Sparkle. And today, I'm very excited to have with us Peter Stauffer. Welcome, Peter. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's really great to have you here. And you and I have never actually sat down and had any kind of a conversation. I don't think so. No. no. So this is really, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to sure. getting to know a little bit more about mm. you, what makes you, some of your aha moments, and you know some of the secrets to you being you and the secrets of your career. Sure. So tell us a little bit about you. I mean, you've been, you were an MP for this area for quite some time. Yes. 15 years, I think. 18 and Eight, a half. Yeah. 18 and a half years. Yeah. And you were with NDP. Mm-hmm. And here's what I know. And I'm, I'm not a politician. However, I, I go by people's energy. And I grew up in Sackville. And I've always loved your energy. And people that I know who are not NDPers always have loved you too. So what is what is with that? Because you do have that energy that draws people. Well, I think what it was is it's a privilege. It truly is a privilege to be able to represent a group of people in a particular legislature, be it municipal, provincial, or federal, or even school board for that matter, or as a volunteer group, if you're the president of a particular group, you're representing the people that are there. And, in, and it's quite an honor. I mean, to me, the most um, important right you have as a citizen is your democratic right to vote. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents taught me that right from the very beginning. And I figured that if people are willing to entrust you with their vote, the least you can do is return their phone call and attend their events and everything else. And I always remember that even people who didn't vote for you deserve your representation as well. Because once you're elected, you, you represent all the people of that constituency. Absolutely. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was an awful lot of fun. I, um, I enjoy meeting people and trying to help them. I was surrounded by truly great staff. And one tip I'll give to anybody who gets elected, hire people who are a lot smarter than you are, <laughs> and uh, you'll be successful in that regard. And I thought we, um, we moved the dial on terms of constituency representation. Absolutely. We tried to do everything we could in, in as, uh, as the best of a nonpartisan and non um, sort of the way the politics works now is everyone's sort of you're with us or you're against us. Right. I've always built and believed in building the bridges together. Whether you and I could, we could put 10 issues on the board, we're bound to disagree on a couple of them. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean we can't be neighbors. We can't live in the same community. We should be able to get along and work around our differences. And I think that's a really valid point because working around your dis- your, your differences is important because not everyone's going to agree on everything in every aspect of life, right. particularly yeah. politics. So given given that... Do you attribute that to your success? Because there is a lot, and this is one of the things that with politics for me, I, I'm, I like people to be nice, <laughs> to be loving and have that good energy. And I don't like the dirt throwing. And I know you're not a dirt thrower. No. And, and that I think also makes you stand out. What would you say to, to people who are into politics now, who are getting into politics, and they, they get kind of dragged into that mud throwing stuff. I think it's unnecessary. How right. can you get that point to them? 
Well, it depends whether you're in municipal politics. For example, in Halifax, you don't have a party behind you. You're on your own, more or less. Right. And in other areas, you're in party politics, be it provincial or federal. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the mud starts to, to be slung because you've got what is called the center mm -hmm. surrounded by the leader, and they want to get a particular message out. And other parties are doing the same thing. So if you can't beat them with kindness, then you got to throw some mud out there, and hopefully it's six. And unfortunately, negative advertising does work. We always remember that incident when you're um, you're hurt or you have an accident or something, but you never remember the, the really good thing. Mm -hmm. always, like I said, when I worked in a reservations office, we could do like 40 calls in one day. 39 of them are very pleasant, very nice, but one person yelled and screamed to you, that's the person you're going to remember. Oh, I know. And so unfortunately in politics, especially in today's 24-hour social media, constantly in your face type of thing, it works. It, negative advertising and mudslinging, it unfortunately works. I know, and it's so and, sad. Yeah, and you just have to read your news today. Or listen to the news anytime it's on. It's always negative. It starts yep. off negative. It never says today a, a bunch of kids cleaned the street today or a school donated money for a cancer clinic. You don't hear that at the no. top of your news. You hear tragedy, sadness, All or the controversy. Bad stuff. Because the media works on the um, uh, on the principle of you know uh, the, what we call the, um, the three C principle. You know, controversy emotion, and everything else, and that's how they operate. Yeah, it, it's very, very sad. One of the things that I, I do for my own personal sanity, mm -hmm. because I can't stand all the negativity, yeah. is I I skim the highlights for the news, yeah, because sure. like you say, yeah. it's I don't need to know the nitty-gritty details. Yeah. I want to be informed, because I certainly don't want to be ignorant, right. but at the same time, I don't need to know that. For those people who get inundated with that, how do you feel that can impact them and our society? And does that sort of feed into right. what you're talking about? Well, I would like to change the theory of anybody who takes media training knows it operates on the ACE principle, action, controversy, emotion. Right. If it doesn't have one of those three things, it doesn't get on the news. So let's change that around. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about emotion that makes you feel good. Right. Let's talk about controversy where someone was clear-cutting a forest and all of a sudden they stop that practice and then they do selective logging. Right. Instead of clear-cutting it. And action, taking a positive action, for example, to clean your environment or to help seniors or to help people with disabilities or to help new immigrants, et cetera, et cetera. If we turned it into those kind of elements, it'd be a pretty neat media story out there, wouldn't it? Oh, my it? golly, it would be amazing. I yeah. would actually absolutely love to see something like yeah. that happen. Now, I know that you're an avid volunteer and... For me, I've, I've volunteered my whole life. I mean, right from the time I was a, a little child. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that that's probably very similar yes. to the way that you were raised. Can you talk about some of your early memories of being involved in sure, the community? Yeah, and yeah. how did you, you know, get that? Well, my parents, you know, we were born in Holland. And when we came to Canada, we were very blessed to be able to call Canada home. So my parents started off right away through their church of running a group home. And so for over, they had nine kids of their own. Oh, and then we had... Wow. Over 400 kids over 25 years, or over 20 years, show up at our doorstep. Some for a few days, some for a few hours, a oh few weeks, gosh. a few months. Some stayed for a couple of years. So that's how we grew up. And then wow. right off the get-go, I was always collecting bottles and cans off the street. 
uh, on a personal note for comic books, I always <laughs> like Archie comics, but then I would donate a certain amount of money to a cause. Red Cross was one. There was a Boys and Girls Clubs and one and all those things. And then I started volunteering in sports. I coached soccer. I coached baseball. And I did whatever I could to keep volunteering. Then I started doing things like we had the Richmond Ramble when I grew up in Vancouver where you'd walk around Richmond or Lulu Island, it's called, and you raise money for a particular cause. And it just, it latched on and it carried on that way. And then my mom when she was in her 90s, was serving soup to seniors. Oh, and my so goodness. She, she kept doing that in her 90s. And so when I moved to the Yukon, I, I just went even more there. And then I came into uh, Nova Scotia in 88, and I just continued on from there. And just uh, it has expanded now to a whole variety of organizations. <laughs> so it's, an, it's most enjoyable. That's amazing. Now, for me, I believe part of, I think that, our, our society would be much better if everyone did do some degree of yeah. volunteering. Now, some people think of volunteering as, you know, a regular commitment, hmm. you know, 10 hours a week, five hours a week, whatever. But there's so many different other things that people can get involved in. What are some of the sort of offbeat things that you've been involved in that might not, people may not have heard of or be so aware that, to, that might entice people to look at other options for volunteering? Well, for example, every, for Close to 40 years now, I've been volunteering every Christmas for Salvation Army Kettle. And although I'm not a Salvationist, mm -hmm. I just really appreciated what the Salvation Army did for my parents during World War II. So for six days a week uh, prior to Christmas, I give four hours a day. So a total of 24 hours standing at a kettle in a variety of areas that I used to represent, uh, raising, months for the, raising money for the Salvation Army Kettle. Recently, I just got a hold of 800 books to 1,000 books that we oh. got from an estate sale. We decided to give them away in Halifax in front of public gardens, and we raised $500 in one afternoon for the Veterans UN NATO group. <gasps> so that was somebody, Bill Mont, who's a great guy, managed to get these books, gave them to me. I turned around, and we had a bunch of veterans give the books away to anybody who wanted them for free. All they needed to do if they wanted was make a donation. And they were very generous and gave over $500. So it's little things like that that I continue doing. Uh, you know, uh, picking up cans and bottles on the street uh, for Sackville Rivers Association. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things. Plus all the other groups that I'm involved in. And so uh, I just do it because if you can help someone and if you have the time to help someone... And, you know, I think we all owe it as, as citizens, not only to exercise our right to vote, but to exercise our right to be our brother's keeper as well. Oh, my golly. I absolutely love that. That's yeah. absolutely fabulous. What are some of the, the lessons that you can pass on to people who are, you know, maybe, maybe they're not social, but they'd like to do something, and they're trying to get out of their comfort zone? Some yeah. of the lessons and some of the things that you've learned. That you know, the very first thing that I learned was get rid of the word tolerance. Ah! A tolerance, if you're tolerant of another person's religion or their color or their sexual gender or whatever it is, then you're just basically trying to accept something that you're uncomfortable with. But I can assure you that if you get rid of the word intolerance and t I'm tolerant of other people, you know, we should be a more tolerant society. If you get rid of that word and accept people for who they are and what they are, then you'll realize the, the doors open up for you that are that you just have no idea where they're going to lead to. It's just amazing. If you take the time to learn 
other people and where they're from and what makes them kick. It's that old adage, you know, you don't know someone until you walk a mile in their shoes. Oh, my golly. Well, some people don't have shoes. Not in our society, mind you, but in other societies. Get to know them. And you'll realize that there, if you're blessed to live in this country, you should pass those blessings on. It's that old saying, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have an opportunity to give one hour a month, even. Now, there's a group in the United States called Give an Hour, where professionals give one hour of their time every month to help other people. Be it you're a cobbler, be it you're an accountant, be it a hairdresser, whatever you are, give one hour a month of your time for free. And that, that's just one hour a month. That's nothing. People stand in line at a Tim Hortons longer for that, for a coffee. So, so you can find time. No matter how busy you are, you can, you can find time to help out. And there's an old saying, too, that if you want something done, ask a busy woman to do it. It'll get done. It'll get done. Oh, you're very clever. Yeah, On yeah, that note, we're going to sure. have a quick break, and we'll be right back. Sure. You're listening to CIOE 97.5 FM. Welcome back to Find Your Sparkle with Jen, and welcome back, Peter. Now, just before break, you were talking about giving an hour of your time and an organization in the States that does that, where professionals a month donate an hour of their time. Mm -hmm. I know a few years ago there was something similar that had started in Halifax, but it was more of an exchange, so an hour of your time for an hour of my time, and there was no dollar associated. It was just time. I like that concept though and i don't know if it ever really took off here so it's something to really look into but can you talk a little bit about the the motivation behind that and yeah what had happened is i was a member of parliament we were in washington visiting the fisher house now fisher houses are from a new zealand couple that had immigrated to us did very well in real estate they wanted to give back so every veterans hospital in the united states attached to it or very close to it is something called a fisher house and the fisher house allows the family of veterans who are getting treated at a hospital, a place to stay for free. Sort of like a Ronald McDonald concept. And so in Nova Scotia, we started up the Society of Atlantic Heroes, and now we have a three-bedroom apartment on Quinpool Gate donated to us by Killam Properties. So any first responder in Atlantic Canada and or their family that's in town getting treatment of any kind, they get to stay with us for free. But the, so this woman was, she was a professional, she was in Washington, D.C., noticed a lot of veterans on the street, which unfortunately there still is. Oh my gosh. And so she got together as a professional, she got other professionals together and said, why don't we find a way to donate one hour of our time professionally to help people Mm -hmm. in a variety of capacities, be it legal advice, be it, uh, you know, a, a hair salon. Uh, be it um, an accountant. Could be anything. Uh, be, it, be it a cobbler to fix mm-hmm. your shoes. Be it a restaurant. Be it whatever it is. If yeah. you're a professional, to give one hour of your time to help someone who needs help. With no thought of rec- um, um, remuneration or anything of mm-hmm. that kind. You just donate an hour of your time one a month professionally. And I think there's thousands of members of her group now in the United States called Give an Hour. And I thought it was very successful and very well done. That's just one group of many in the United States that are helping a variety of other people who are less fortunate than themselves. Now... Veterans. You're very involved with mm-hmm. veterans. I come from a military background. I worked with the military for, so I have a, 
I have an affinity as well for, yeah. for veterans. So can you talk a little bit about some of the work and how did, how did that become part of your passion? Well, my parents and I were born in the Netherlands. My dad was a prisoner of war for a couple of years, oh. or as he said, the Germans required his services for two <sighs> years. My mom was liberated by the U.S. Army in the fall of 44, which mm -hmm. is right about now. And my dad was liberated roughly the same time from a camp. We believe it was the South Saskatchewan Regiment, but we can't be sure. Okay. Met a Canadian soldier and asked him, why did you come over to help us? And the soldier told my dad, well, sir, we had a job to do. He gave my dad a cigarette and a chocolate, and he moved on. Oh. Well, 12 years later, uh, my dad worked in the coal mines of Southern Holland at that time. The Dutch government made the decision to close the mines down. And the only answer for thousands of people was what we say in Dutch, offalopa, which means off you go, out migration. So we could have gone to New Zealand, Australia, the States, Zimbabwe, South Africa. We could have gone to Australia, but they chose Canada because my dad said if they have a military like that, Oh, wow. Can you imagine what kind of country they come from? Oh, my gosh. I so love that story. My, my mom, dad, and six of us immigrated to Halifax in September 26, 1956. Wow. And then we took a train to Vancouver, where New Westminster. Oh, my gosh. Where, where I more or less grew up. And then I spent nine and a half years in the Yukon. And now I've been here since 88. So... What the military did for my dad, I've always been enamored with him. As a kid growing up, I used to go to Stanley Park in Gastown all the time where there were a lot of homeless people. And right. I found out by talking to these men, mostly men, that they were veterans. <gasps> oh my World gosh. War One, World War Two, and Korean. And they were just having great difficulties adjusting to civilian life or to what we call normal life. We now call it PTSD and OSIs. And I grew up listening to their stories and everything, and I listened to my mom and dad's stories. And so I became a member of a legion right away. I started helping out veterans. I remember one time I was seven years old down at Gastown, and the guys were all lined up. And I asked this one fella, who, by the way, taught me how to play crib. <laughs> he said, I asked, what are you doing? He said, well, somewhere here to get a soup and sandwich at the Salvation Army. And I went, well, can I get one too? And they said, sure, come on. Oh. So it was so good. And then years later, I remember washing dishes at the Salvation Army helping them out because it was my way to say thank you for the soup and sandwich. Because growing up in a family of, of nine and then, of course, all the group home kids, we grew up in a family where you swallowed first and chewed tomorrow. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Jeepers, <laughs> you had to eat that. So oh my having a soup and sandwich was pretty cool. So oh uh, that's sort of how I grew up in Vancouver. And uh, it was enjoyable. It was absolutely wonderful. And then, obviously, I, I got into the political world as well. And uh, from 1969 on, and uh, I met Dave Barrett. And, you know, the fact that politicians can make a difference in your lives. So even true. though if you say the word politician to someone, the first thing that comes to their mind is quite negative. But my first thing that comes to my mind is the wonderful people I've met in politics over the years uh, that I've been involved and. That's, I, love I, can that assure you, you, I love that you say that because yeah, it's the vast it's, you majority. Need that. The vast majority, over 99% of them, are truly wonderful people. In fact, in all my years as an MP, there isn't one senator or member of parliament that I hadn't met that I wouldn't want to, to have as my neighbor. Because oh my even gosh. though we disagree politically, yes. they're decent Canadians and they're proud to live here. And oh we're God. honored to live here. So oh. we're blessed. Oh, you know we're what? Blessed. We are very blessed. Yeah. And I mean, it just takes going, you know. For a little vacation someplace yeah. to so figure that one out. So pass those blessings on. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And 
I like to say like the ripple effect, right? Yeah. So the pay it forward and, yeah. and the ripple effect. And that's one of those things where you never know how far reaching that initial pebble is going to go. And, right. and we don't need to know, but yeah. to remember that, you know, yeah. our actions, our words, our thoughts, our behaviors all definitely have mm-hmm. an impact yeah. on who knows how many people, right? right? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, how did you end up getting into politics though? And, and I know that you had a great relationship with, with, the late Jack Layton yeah. and, you know, with Tom O'Care and there's lots of really, can you talk a little bit about that? What were sure. your, your highlights for well, that? And then, and also I want to know what your biggest challenge is. Yeah. I was 13 years old, taking the bus from my home. I was going to go to Stanley Park for the day because growing up in Vancouver, Stanley Park was just That's your everything. Thing. Anyway, I looked out the bus window and there's a whole bunch of people down the road with these placards and signs and I was curious. Mm. So I got off the bus, went down, and there was this guy standing on a barrel talking about the injustices of capitalism and all this other stuff. And I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> and these were, guys 13, had signs said, right? that said on strike. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was a game. I really thought it was like some kind of a game. Oh, my golly. And I didn't realize that um, these guys were on strike, you know, looking for better wages and conditions. And the guy on the barrel was, turned out to be the leader of the NDP of BC, Dave Barrett. So I pulled on his jacket, and I was just a little guy. And he said, well, you know, it's sort of like W.C. Fields. You're bothering me, son. You're bothering me. So I just went, okay. And he said, look, you're a very curious young man. Why don't you go read about this man, and if you like what he says, come and talk to me. Oh. And so he wrote down on a piece of paper, it was J.S. Woodsworth, James Shaver Woodsworth, the leader of the CCF, the forerunner of the NDP. And I went into the Vancouver Library, and there was his book, and I read it. I read half of it that day, came back the next day and finished it off. But in the Woodsworth book was the Woodsworth Grace, which is very famous. He could just pull it up. The Woodsworth Grace. And in the Grace, he talks about one line in there. And it hit me like a thunderbolt. Mm. It really, it's sort of like the skies opened up and it said, what we desire for ourselves, we wish for all. Mm. Which basically means that I could go to school, I can play sports, I can play in Stanley Park and tour Gastown. I can eat, and I can play, and I can be safe and secure, then why can't everybody be the same way? Right. And in the Grace goes on to say we share in the world's work and the world's struggles. Now. And I was just so addicted to that that I joined the NDP right then and there. Oh, my and, golly. And more or less that was it. I sort of helped out where I could, moved to the Yukon, came to Nova Scotia. But in 1996... In November Town Hall, Prime Minister Chrétien was asked a question by a woman from Quebec. And Jen, if you could ask the Prime Minister of Canada one question on national TV with two million viewers and all your friends and family watching, what would you ask? I'm not even going to. You'd think about it, (laughs) right? Yeah, that's for sure. So this woman did. And don't forget, in 96, employment was pretty high. Interest rates were high. Oh, yes. that was It was very difficult getting a job 23 years ago. So the question was... Sir, I have my education and my degree, but I'm finding it difficult to secure long-term employment. What can you, your government, do to assist me and my family? I thought that was a very good question. Definitely. And he could have and should have said, well, madame, you bring up a very specific case. If you care to meet my officials after the show, we'd be happy to talk to you. But that's not what he said. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What he said got me right Uh off the deep end. He said, well, madame, in life, some people are lucky, some are not. You may have to move. Oh, dear. That's more or less what the Dutch government told my family in 1956. Wow. And that's what we've been telling Atlantic 
Canadian children for many years go down the road. Yes. And I thought... That's not right. He's the Prime Minister of the country. Yikes. He was 30-something years a member of Parliament. He could have and should have said something a little better to her than that. So mm -hmm. I was so peed off that I told my wife, I'm going to run for politics. And she goes, sure. <laughs> you're not even born in Canada. You're not even from Nova Scotia. You married a Quebecer, and you're going to represent <laughs> Nova Scotia. You're a CFA, luck, Peter. Buddy. You don't have a look. <laughs> So sure enough, and I ran, and not thinking I had a hope in hell, but the fact is I knocked on close to 13,000 doors. We had a very minimal campaign, hardly any money at all, wow. but a great group of volunteers. Evelyn Riggs stands out as a volunteer extraordinaire that helped out in the campaign, and John Holm was the MLA. He yep. helped out. Yeah, he's great. between this hodgepodge of people and we never had a riding association before here there was no ndp presence federally ever since confederation yeah but a combination of alexa mcdonough running in halifax she's great uh, the right was split we had the reform party then and you had the progressive conservatives and the liberals and the natural law party and myself and i came right up the middle and won by 27 votes the first wow. night. Wow. And then it went to 39 was, the, I think, the final count oh after my gosh. the recount. And, and the, I and the was there for 18 and a half years. That is until amazing. Until 2015 when the tide came back and it took me out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Along with my colleagues. But that but was, it was a, a real, good run. It was a really good run. It and was a I mean, run, you know, yeah. you've, you've had, you're, you're still amazing everybody still loves you you walk around you've got lots oh, of energy that's, that's i mean it's kind, well it's very true you're still involved in the community yeah. you help us you're a great asset to the the radio station yeah. here for sure we're almost out of time but i need to know yeah. what makes you sparkle peter veterans veterans well besides my wife and my two kids that's a given which are really that is a the, given which are really the thing it's the veteran community that uh, the men and women who wear the uniform of canada be it municipally provincially or federally be they paramedics 911 dispatchers police fire correctional officers the sheriff's department frontline health providers our military, RCMP, all those men and women who every single day, and our Coast Guard, our Customs Officers, all those men and women who every single day have a difficult job. I even include tow truck drivers on mm -hmm. that. After a very, like the accident in Barney's River the other day, some tow truck driver had to go pick up that vehicle afterwards, and he knew or she knew what would have happened in that vehicle. Yeah, it's scary. They also suffer as well, long-haul truck drivers. These people with very difficult jobs, social workers who work with certain teachers, these are my heroes. That's awesome. And people who help other people on a regular basis. And that's what makes me sparkle. That's awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure having you here. We could, I could, we could have this conversation Anytime. go on and on and on, but Anytime. that's it for today. Thanks so much. You're Thank listening you. to CIOE 97.5 FM. Special thanks for Ron for producing this episode. And remember, go out and do something that makes you sparkle today, and we'll catch you next time.